0: Dwells here. And then we moving by the pack, so we moving them. And even if you don't, then you do cause you cool with them They be like I only went to school with with
1: 'em. Welcome to Color Correction, a Jesus E podcast about race and faith from the perspective of a black girl, an Asian guy, and a white guy too. I'm Andrew, I use he him pronouns. I am Asian. <laughs> Why are you laughing? <laughs>
0: zestier with you your did, radio yeah. voice that second time okay. hi i'm andrew so mm-hmm. i'm gonna be zestier too a and I'm, up, like,
2: like andrew's going for like the micro machines intro
0: <laughs> Micro i'm bethany and i use she her pronouns and i identify as a black woman that was more real world
2: oh zesty i like that yeah can we do it that way can we finish it out zesty
0: yeah you do zesty. Okay. at this now. point
2: you can do whatever you want <laughs> Andrew, you haven't you haven't introduced yourself yet. You've got to be Zesty first. Oh wait, no, you didn't. He
0: was Zesty first. And I'm
2: Chris. I use he, him pronouns, and I am a white man.
1: <laughs>
2: okay. That
0: sounds like we're on an early two thousands dating show.
1: <laughs> <laughs> wow. Um so we like to start off our podcast by talking about things we want to add regarding our previous episode. Our previous episode was that prayer uh, and our relationship with it. The feedback that we've gotten has been pretty good. I was uh, nervous about putting out there that kind of inviting people to my grandparents' kitchen table. Uh, but uh, you know what? I'm, I'm glad I am glad I did that because people uh, people receive that warmly, which made me feel pretty good about yeah. that, uh, about sharing that experience. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. yeah. It
0: felt really intimate, right? Mm-hmm. Like to just be in the kitchen with you and your grandparents. So, yeah, it felt like a gift what resonated with me a lot from that video clip and what you said afterwards was your point of like, you want to be at a point like your grandfather where your instinct is to reach out to God and to reach out to your faith. Mm-hmm. Um, and I didn't ask my mom for consent to tell her whole story. So what I will say is that my mom's just going through some bullshit right now. Um, and she got some bad news last week and, um, and I could, when she called me about it, I could hear the panic in her voice because I kind of just know my mom, even when she's not like to somebody mm. else, they wouldn't sense the panic, but I yeah. could. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was in a work meeting, so I talked to her for like a minute, and then I was like, hey, I have to go, but I'm going to call you back at 2 30. Um, and when I called her back, she said, yeah, I feel differently now. God led me to Daniel something, something, something. And I was just like, that is so incredible mm-hmm. that, like, you're just that tuned in and you know that God will meet you in your suffering. Yeah. Because yeah. my instinct would be to be miserable. But for our parents and our grandparents' instinct to be that God will meet me here is... um Oh man, I can't cry this early in the podcast. But yeah, it's yeah, it's deeply touching for me. It
2: makes me like. I know we're not quite ready to like launch into today's topic, but like the the connection from these two episodes for me is like, your mom is part of that link. You know, like, um, she's helping him hold on to that through the through that prayer and that worship together. That was part of the power of it for me. Was that was that like uh, my great?
1: Yeah, my grandma. Yeah. Right.
3: Mm. Yeah, They're for doing sure. it
1: together.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, we like to read what other people have said to us in a segment that we like to call speak up. Uh burp, this
0: burp, burp, burp. Woo, woo.
1: This <laughs> email <laughs> comes to us. Anytime a pastor emails us, I feel like it's okay to say who emailed us. This this email comes from Pastor Johnny Rashid where he said <laughs> it's from a little while ago. He said, "Hey all, can't recall the exact episode but I think Andrew called the crucifixion of Christ an extrajudicial killing. I am writing a blog post, and that phrase came to mind, but I replaced it with state-sanctioned killing, since I believed it was sponsored and ordered by the state and not done outside of a judicial process. Johnny, um, and um, I, I'm just gonna throw this back over to J- Johnny. You want to introduce yourself?
3: Yeah, Johnny. Uh, he, him, brown dude. I think brown is my race because mm-hmm. I'm Egyptian so that's an ethnic identity mm. um and race is more about um basically how police see me you know I don't know how else to say it but like mm-hmm. I don't I didn't pick to assign meaning to my skin color mm. I was born and then meaning was assigned but being Egyptian being Arab that's a little bit different mm. um but that's too much for the intro but I'm brown guy he, him Johnny I feel Rashid. Like you,
1: you give some kind of long explanation of of your ethnicity every time you're <laughs> every time you hop on our podcast.
3: That's because my ethnic identity has meaning for me because I'm a child of immigrants. You know, mm-hmm. I think for immigrants, ethnicity um and even nationality matters, you know. Mm-hmm. Like I know Andrews Taiwanese, that means right. something. Mm-hmm. Um yeah you know.
1: And even that's a, like an incomplete explanation of my ethnicity cuz Taiwanese is like a political
3: designation. Exactly. So, yeah. yeah, it's complicated. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Johnny is on our show today because we eventually are going to get to the subject about of talking about the church. Um and Johnny is um one of our pastors, the pastor of our congregation on Frankfurt Ave in Fishtown in Philadelphia. Um But, you know, it's kind of fun that you're here while we're reading this email that you sent us way back when. I think the reason that I called it an extrajudicial killing at the time was because I think I was trying to draw a connection between the crucifixion and lynching, which typically in the United States has been extrajudicial. But I don't know, Johnny, is the fact that it was state sanctioned, how is that significant to you? Do you want to talk about that a little bit?
3: Um. Specifically, he was executed under the death penalty um, Mm -hmm. in Roman society. Romans killed people extrajudicially, too. Um, Mm -hmm. But the specific killing and how it happened matters to me. Because also, one thing we don't talk about a lot is that state-sanctioned death penalty in the United States disproportionately affects poor people and black people specifically and mm-hmm. so even if it isn't a bad cop even if it isn't a racist dude when the state decides to kill someone it's mm-hmm. still disproportionately black and so right it doesn't even take away from the connection right. that jesus shares with oppressed people because of that so it was a tec- yeah. it was a technical point um but even naming it as state sanctions doesn't and you could make an argument that police killings are state sanctioned in their own right too
1: sure i mean yeah you can definitely our our government does engage in state sanctioned killings that are extrajudicial Uh right (laughs) um so yeah that's all true i agree uh So as I was saying earlier, what we wanted to talk about was the subject of the, of the church. Um, now I feel like in the past few episodes, we've started off each of these subjects where we're reexamining things that we have come to take for granted as part of our spirituality, things like prayer, things like scripture. And we've started by talking about like, Oh, how were you raised by this thing? Um, Having gone through two episodes where we've already talked about that, I don't know if that's mm-hmm. really an interesting question anymore. Because obviously, like, did all of us go to church because our parents made us go to church? No, no, no. Ah, oh, dang. All right, I guess we, Chris, you just made it interesting. I guess I'm sorry.
2: I'm, no, <laughs> no. Am I answering this question?
1: Is this how we're starting? I mean,
2: or do you wanna? Now I'm now I'm curious. If it's... I I grew up in the same church for the first twelve years of my life. Um, Uh my, my parents left that church it um it was cultish um and got to be really constrictive um the the transition out of that church was super painful we lost a lot of relationships um and we continued to look for church homes for the next couple of years um at about the time i started driving um we'd we'd kind of found a place um or I had is actually more accurate. My my parents kind of drifted out of that church and I stayed. Yeah, so that was, like, that was a significant um, moment in my faith life. Like now I'm going to church and it's not what my parents are doing. At least they're not going to this church.
1: Yeah, uh, yeah you, at a certain point you made a decision to go to a particular church. Yeah. I'm kind of curious about, I, I, what I am interested in talking about today to some degree is Circle of Hope. And how we ended up here and why yeah. we are still here, really. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I feel like that's going to take up a lot of time. So I do want to, like, get to that point. I mean, Johnny, I feel like you've told this story a lot. But am I correct in that, like, you started going to Circle because, like, you were wrestling with your faith coming, like, into the Iraq War? Oh, I yeah. Feel like I, about
3: I've told a the story today to somebody. I love the story. I was only made to go to church when it was a matter of child care. I think... I was just reading. I, I've been blogging my, like, whole life, apparently. And I resurrected my old Zanga blog, which was horrifying. Zanga blog? Yeah, absolutely horrifying. I guess one time I slept in, didn't go to church, because I used to drive myself there. So they weren't making me go at some point. Nevertheless, it was conservative. And George Bush, um, I mean, the environment after 9-11 was so wild in the United States. Mm-hmm. And... He had such a high approval rating, and he was ready to bomb Iraq. And from from a variety of influences, I thought, you know, I don't, I don't think this is what Jesus would want. It's not what I want. But every Christian around me thinks that this is cool. So mm-hmm. I'm going to resist these people. And when I moved to Philadelphia, I my my uh, theology and my politics, you could say, developed further. And then I was felt like a like i don't know what community i belong to i used to go to like the college ministry and when the song had a plural pronoun like they said we i'd say i because i didn't feel connected to the group in hindsight there's probably some racial reasons for that by the way but i didn't register that at the moment nevertheless wow Mm -hmm. i came to circle of hope and on the computer monitor they were big and and Mm -hmm. wide then there was a bumper sticker that said, War in Iraq? No. And I was like, hey, Christians that don't like the war in Iraq, I've never, I never knew these people existed. And then I had that <laughs> connection. That really was meaningful to me, that I could find, and this is, this, is, this matters, like-minded Christians who said what they thought without me needing to figure it out. And I felt safe there as a result of that.
1: Hmm. Chris, you're talking about how you went to a church of your own volition. Mm-hmm. Do you remember why it was that you wanted to go to that particular church? Um, I was 16, and I was connecting with
2: um, other Christians my age in youth group. Um,
1: that was significant for me. That does make sense. I mean, the idea of that you were looking, that you were finding community in that particular place. I mean, Bethany, how did you end up at Circle of
3: Hope?
0: Um, my cousin asked me if I wanted to hang out on Thursdays for a thing that was like Bible study, and then God damn it, they sucked me in. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, 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 I like suddenly became a part of the community. I didn't even really understand what a cell was.
1: Hmm. Do you remember what it was that made that made it suck you in? Like, why did you feel like sticking around?
0: The fact that we were questioning the constraints of our society and trying to wrap our theology around it and also wrap our theology around it in a way that worked towards the liberation of other people. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that really, really stuck out to me because I had grown up in church. um I would say that I liked going to church because I was homeschooled and that was my opportunity to hang out with other kids and mm-hmm. also, my church was kind of honorary, and something was always happening, so I liked being there to observe um okay, but by <laughs> there's always something happening. I'll never forget this traveling prophet came to the church who Love was just full of shit. he was full of shit, right, and he told this woman who had broken her leg, right? It's not like she had like an amputation. It's not like it was anything wild. she just had a broken leg. <laughs> he told this woman. Uh, that God had healed her and she started running on that broken leg. It was the most miserable run I've ever seen and I'll never forget.
3: Because it was still broken?
0: Cause it was fucking broken and God had not healed her. It was just a fucking broken leg. She was going to be off of that cast in three Uh weeks, but it was pretty freshly broken. And I'll never forget. Our listeners won't be able to see what I'm doing, but I'll never forget her running like this Uh (laughs) broken leg. So like, that's what I enjoyed seeing at church. Like bullshit (laughs) like that. (laughs) So uh, I was just talking to my mom about that the other day. Um but anyway so I grew up going to church. I liked going to church, but as soon as it wasn't an obligation, I didn't. So for most of college and even some years after um college, I wasn't interested in church because I had a lot of like church hurt and a lot of angst um from my white church in middle school and high school and from my black church um that really formed my relationship with Christ um coming up. Um and circle was different. Circle was a group of Christians that I hadn't met before, um, that weren't just trying to pursue holiness in this way that like kept people out. Really, like a lot of times, mm-hmm. I feel like churches um, pursue holiness in a, in an attempt to create a hierarchy that makes them better than other persons. Um, mm-hmm. And it felt like circle wasn't doing that. It felt like we weren't trying to just get to heaven. We were actually trying to create uh a new humanity on earth and yeah. that is what sucked me in
1: mm-hmm. yeah i can relate to that i can relate to that because i feel like generally when i was growing up my experience of church for most of my life has been that it's about keeping you out of trouble and circle of hope was the first church where i felt like people were trying to get in trouble in some way and that was <laughs> that was cool to me um i mean what did i what did i ask originally i, I first asked if all of us kind of were made to go to church as kids mm-hmm. Chris said no. So Chris, you talked about your choice to go to church.
2: Yeah, I mean, I the thing I would say about that like sixteen year old experience is I like that was formative in um, sort of like it, like me making a making a plan to like have church and a faith community in my life, um, such that like it kept me on a path to like find out about mission year. Up, up, which was a year of my life in Philly um following Jesus with other 20-year-olds in a in a in the city and I, I like that sort of put me on a path toward circle of hope um mm-hmm. a couple of years after that um when the church that i had stayed a part of through mission year i just like i was having trouble staying connected as a as a laborer a, like a a wage worker who worked on sundays and there weren't really, really any other connection points for me Um, and so it was, it was the recommendation of a friend who was like, they, these guys have like stuff going on besides just Sunday meetings and they meet at night. Like that was fabulous for me at the time. Mm -hmm. Um, and it was, it was like the, the idea that like we are the church all the time and that, um, we, we meet throughout the week and, and keep this up, you know, like
1: all that, I guess all that kind of started when I
2: was 16 that I even would want to do that. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm.
1: The subject that I want to get into is this, because I've been thinking about this a lot in myself. Basically, um, the church that I went to in college um, was complementarian in their theology.
0: What does that mean?
1: I don't know how to phrase this in a way that doesn't just make it seem like just blank sexism. Complementarianism is a a theological Mm. position that says that men and women can't... Do the same roles mm-hmm. can't okay. are there are okay. some things that women can't do because they're
3: women women there's, do yeah, there's a there's a household hierarchy and there's a church hierarchy that's fundamentally patriarchal
1: right um and I've been thinking a lot about how like it would i i feel like today if you were to put the thirty three year old me into a church like that now, I wouldn't be able to stick around
3: mm-hmm
1: I feel like it would be hard for me to see past that, to see Mm -hmm. that as just not like straight up toxic sexism. Um, But like 10 years ago, I was able to be part of a church like that. And even after I found out that it was, that it held that theological position, I still stuck around. Mm -hmm. Similarly, like Johnny, if you remember, like basically like a little less than, Ten years ago, Th- Circle of Hope itself went through like some pretty severe soul-searching about our uh, attitude toward LGBTQIA folks and specifically like gay marriage and stuff. Um, and we like had some intense conversations about what that what that looked like yeah um, and like despite the fact that I like disagreed with the church's position on marriage at the time, like I still stuck around. I've been kind of examining myself and trying to think about why it is that like, what is the purpose of the church Hmm. and how do you decide when something is tolerable versus when something is intolerable? Does that make sense?
2: Yeah.
0: Mm -hmm. I mean, like right Um, now
1: I'm curious about how you answer that question, like with the, like, why did you stick around? I guess, you mean, back when Circle was having these kind of debates, I mean, I think I had the sense that, like, it was, there was still work that, I I don't know, I've been thinking about that so much. Like, on one level, I thought, like, I I felt like the good of the community outweighed the negative aspects of the community, Mm -hmm. even though I know certain people had been hurt. At the same time, like, I felt like the position wasn't so, like, set in stone that it was unchangeable. I felt like it was possible to make progress. So that's another mm-hmm. thing. Mm-hmm.
0: What made you stick around I- at the church 10 years ago?
1: Ma- I don't know. Maybe 10 years ago, I was just my, I, I had just internalized sexism so much that I was like, yeah, I'm on board. I'm okay with this. I don't know.
0: <laughs> Not Maybe that, that was be. the
1: issue. Yeah. yeah. Like, it doesn't affect me. I'm a man.
0: I think that tends to be subconsciously my thing as well. Um, like if it doesn't directly affect me, it feels more tolerable and feels like something that I'm willing to work on. But if the harm directly affected me or caused me, you know, I've experienced harm and direct pain as well and have stuck around. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, I think, I feel like I tend to, when I feel less harmed, um, it doesn't feel like something that makes me want to jump ship. But admitting that doesn't feel good, right? Like, oh, injustice can happen to a, a sibling of mine um, and I won't jump ship, you know? Mm-hmm.
1: I mean, you've talked about, you just mentioned how, like, you have experienced direct harm before
2: mm-hmm.
0: and
1: you still haven't jumped ship. And you you don't have to go into specifics, but, like, what's what's your thinking behind that?
0: I really, really want to work hard f- to create the, the new creation that God talked to us about. Um, and I ask him for the stamina and for the strength um to move within that prophetic vision that is the only thing <laughs> like that is the only thing that has kept me mm-hmm. um after experiencing certain situations yeah having god literally like literally a week before um a really painful situation within the church for me my therapist was in the middle of talking to me and she's a christian um and she goes oh my goodness God is talking to me right now about you. Okay, give me, give me a second. I need to take a breath. And then she goes, God wants you to know that you are in, you are exactly where he wants you to be. I said, okay, I don't know what God talking about. Literally within five minutes, <laughs> I knew exactly what the fuck God was talking about. Like, Whoa. it literally, like, whenever I picture that in my head, uh-huh. I imagine God running and, like, tripping over something and being like, tell her, like, tell her right now. Because otherwise yeah. I probably would have been out of the door.
1: Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's kind of amazing. I'd yeah. I've heard that before. I had not,
0: yeah. yeah. Huh.
2: Yep. That's nuts.
0: It was really crazy. <laughs> It was really, really crazy, but exactly what I needed.
3: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Andrew, Andrew, you stayed in the church because of the relationships you had in the church. I mean, if I can say this, and maybe I can't, but I think you stayed in the church because of our relationship and because of the conversations that we had and the reassurance that I gave you that, you know, this isn't the final word or working it out, you know, um, and yeah, in hindsight, mm-hmm. there are things you know. And I recently said this in public for some reason. Um, but there are things I would have changed about how I acted then, and and where I led the church since then. There are only certain kinds of people, and this does not strictly have to do with their social location. That can withstand it. Some people can't for a variety of reasons, and it's not just related to. Once again, their social location. What I mean is their uh, gender, race, socioeconomic status, um, sexuality, things like that. You know,
2: mm-hmm.
3: I couldn't hang out in a lot of different churches. I couldn't pastor at a lot of different churches. You know, because it's it's mm-hmm. uh, too hard for me. It triggers me too much. It's um, not what I'm given to do, and I think b- what Bethany's saying makes sense. It's 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 a matter of discernment about what God wants you to do. If I can go a little bit longer, mm-hmm.
0: preach, A, a preach. man go I ahead, admire go a ahead. lot.
3: His name is Jeff Chu. He's a he's a gay guy um, in a denomination that does not affirm gay pastors, but he wants to be a pastor. And he wrote this beautiful New York Times column about why he stays in it. And my friend, when I I commented, posted it on Facebook or something, my friend said to me, yeah, I couldn't do that in that denomination as a gay person. And so people have different journeys. And there's no expectation for, in my humble opinion, who stays and who doesn't. You know, um, as a person of color, if I'm trying to escape racism, and that's why I leave the church... I don't know if that's always a, a sustainable path for me, because where won't I encounter it? The mm-hmm. question for me is: What are you given to do? Mm-hmm. Is this right. mission something you really want to get down with? Can I give my heart to this, mm-hmm. despite the problems? For me, it has to get really bad before I cut off. You know, but that's that's me. I don't even block people on Twitter. You know, I never rage quit the group chat. <laughs> yeah. You know, I don't do that. So, that is true. I have a different kind of stamina mm-hmm. for it. That might that that I may end up regretting. I mm. don't know. But that's where I am.
1: Yeah. I I like that you're acknowledging both that you have the stamina and acknowledging that like you may end up regretting it. I feel the same way a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. In the sense that like what is it that has allowed me to stick around when so many people that I admire did not?
2: Yeah. Um you, me, and Beth, we started to have, like, a conversation in preparation for this episode. And I, and I shared that, like, in, in thinking about, like, um, Circle of Hope and LGBTQIA issues and, and my, my own beliefs, um, I, I, I said that, like, I, I really have let Circle of Hope... Um, shape how I think about it like I'm actually pretty squishy around around these issues and I've and I've mainly just let this let this church lead me um Mm -hmm. which is kind of bizarre to say like the thing I the thing I when I heard myself say that it like it sort of betrays this idea I have of myself is like independent in my in my thinking and what I what it actually sort of brought up for me is that um I, I don't know when when it's when it's an area that I don't feel that strong in, and I like I, I really kind of rely on this church to like lead me in some of that. Like I don't know where else I would go. Is is another way I would say that. Like I I really don't know beyond Circle of Hope where I would where I would be as a Christian. What other group of people I would be with. Mm-hmm. And so when it's come to some of these issues that are really tricky. Um which isn't like I don't know if that's actually actually a good thing, but I have I have mainly just been like, well where are we going and let's like let's see how this plays out. And I guess that's that is that is because Circle of Hope moves. Like it it, it isn't always um entrenched in its um philosophy or theology.
0: Um I'm wondering Yeah. I'm wondering what about being a part of a body of Christ still feels appealing to us, especially in a world where faith evangelicalism evangelicalism is so politicized now, Mm -hmm. like being Mm -hmm. a Christian is kind of like being a part of a political party, um, whether you're actually a part of that political party or not. I'm thinking of conservatives and Republicans. So what to us about church still brings us life enough to commit to it i'm mm-hmm. wondering especially the v- majority of us on this call right now are right. millennials and more and more millennials are not christians
2: well and like and I, I think even further beth like what keeps us doing it over zoom like we've been doing for the last year mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> like, oh,
1: that's a great question <laughs> like in this weird in this year we've had to reevaluate like
3: what is true yeah
0: yeah uh, we're not even we're like, not even talking
3: to each other in person when you can though this is pretty. This is pretty convenient. I just want to say. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. No, it is like it's pretty
1: convenient.
2: I miss the hell out of all three of you. I I'm tired of this.
0: <laughs> yeah, we we got vaccinated, so we already plan on seeing each other. So.
3: <laughs> Wait, all of you are vaccinated? Not
1: me.
0: risk and taker.
1: But I'll be in. The, I'll be in the same room with. them.
0: <laughs> <laughs> with that, yeah. What feels important about being in a church still? Yeah. For me, being a part of a church helps me keep feeling the realness of Jesus because I feel like if I was doing it by myself and trying to figure out stuff independent, independently, um, yeah, it would be hard for the Bible to speak to me and it would be hard for me to really discern when Jesus is talking to me.
2: Yeah,
0: um, I need that in a faith community. I mm-hmm. also... And this is why I'm not a part of other faith communities. I also need the faith community to speak truth to power um, and to really like have a prophetic voice in power structures that are oppressing people and keeping people from, um, I think the liberation that Jesus actually gives us, right? Like the modern church kind of insists on what you can't do and what you can't be. Mm -hmm. Um, But I actually really feel like Jesus's um, lifetime was, like, this model of liberation and challenging what people were telling you who you could be and who you shouldn't be or what you can't be, right? Um, so that's really important in being a part of a body for me. I'm wondering what feels important for you all.
2: I mean, like, sit, sitting here thinking about thinking about what you just said, um, even in the course of this conversation as I've listened to you all, like, talk about the, like, hardships of, of church view and, like how how centrally race cent, like factors into that. Mm-hmm. And I think about like the like the ways I feel wounded sometimes what I feel it is like is a challenge and and that's a that's a challenge that comes through like a commitment we've we've like co-created. Um I, I like another way to say that Beth like when you're talking about speaking truth to power I'm like yeah, I'm so glad we do that but like that means for for me like Beth is one of my reasons to keep going to church. <laughs> like mm-hmm. like that's like she's a prophetic voice I listen to and I respect.
0: That's interesting that you say that because I was just about to ask Johnny what does it look like for you to pastor a group of people? That for the Circle of Hope is majority white. Um what does it look like for you to pastor a body that is so vastly different from who you are and Mm, like mm -hmm. i know you grew up in central pennsylvania so i'm sure you're accustomed to white people um (laughs) and having to do the chicken dance at weddings and such creamy but what does that (laughs) what does that look like for you because i actually think there's a matter of consent that happens right like for you to be a pastor to a group of white people white people actually have to consent and submit to being pastored by a brown person or a black person, etc. So what I wonder what that process has been like for you. You're not only a part of a a church, a part of a predominantly white body, but you're also pastoring these folks.
3: I did grow up in a conservative white area, and it took me a long time to um, become aware of the racism that I experienced there. Mm, Mm hmm. Circle of Hope was such a big difference in acceptance and understanding, um, such a huge contrast that it also took me a while to to uh, learn about you know the microaggressions and racism that I've experienced here. <laughs> I have that um, ability to do that, and 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 I think people of color everywhere do. You know, you always got to make choices about what you're going to cope with and what you're going to push back against when you will aco- yeah. when you will accommodate and when you will advocate um
0: it's a constant
3: negotiation totally in America. totally mm-hmm. and i feel that um mm-hmm. but you're right in large part the people that i lead in our congregation specifically have elected to be led by me and that mm-hmm. means something it means something for a white person to do that and so now 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 we're talking um, it presents unique challenges, but I stick around um, to lead because I believe God has given me to do that. And I feel mm-hmm. inspired to do that.
0: Mm-hmm. It also feels like a miracle, right? Like It feels like God at work for, I don't know, for like, people to want to be led communally by people that are so different from them
3: it's great but i can't i can't be a christian alone i don't want to be i let i i felt like an alone christian in lebanon county where i grew up i found this community i found a family of faith Mm -hmm. and i'm not going to give that up quickly um but i i I like the body i like the accountability i even like the connection to the greater body of christ i don't want to be a christian alone and that's because, for me, faith is a family matter, mm-hmm. if you will. It's not an individual thing. It's a collective thing, and I need to be a part of a family. Mm-hmm. I think Americans are fine being Christians alone, and yes. I'll tell you why. All those white evangelicals that voted for Trump, mm-hmm. most of them aren't connected to churches. They don't go to church, and they don't worship. Really? Because, because Christian identity in the United States is individualistic.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: and because white evangelicals even the church going ones have committed to all the values mm-hmm. of Trump supporting Christians they don't mind just throwing Jesus and the Bible and prayer out of it they can just stick with all the uh, political aspect of it and still right. think of themselves as evangelical and so I actually think they would benefit from a community and from a, and from a mission not just mm-hmm. a, um, you know, a body to worship with but mm-hmm. what are we mm. going to do Who are we going to be? You know, Mm -hmm. Christianity is a is a is a a faith of movement and action, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and um, uh, Americans are in a difficult position because we're so. uh, You can just be a couch sitting Christian if you want. There's Mm -hmm. no uh, there's no activism. There's no earnestness. There's nothing you're fighting for. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. I think people in Circle of Hope want to do that. I like Mm -hmm. the dialogue. I, I I like the the tension there, so that's that's why I stay around and why I will for as long as I can. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah.
1: Because you're talking about how it provides both a community and a mission.
0: I think being a mission aligned is really pivotal to being mm-hmm. a Christian. Like the modern. The modern and also completely unsustainable approach to American Christendom is like Johnny said about individualism and individual pleasure. Right. And being a part of a a body is not always pleasurable. Just like being a part of a family is not always pleasurable. My cousins always fucking make me do their makeup for their weddings. I don't want to do their makeup. I don't want to do anybody else's makeup, but my own, (laughs) Mm -hmm. but I'm a part of the family. Right. And that, to an extent, that's my calling and mission within the family. Mm -hmm. Bethany can do makeup. When we have good events, we expect that Bethany is going to show up and do makeup, right? And even though it might be inconvenient, the wedding might start at 8am and she has to be there at 6.30. That's kind of her calling. That's what she does. But it's uncomfortable for me. And I kind of think that like, being a part of the church is that same way. But because of Christian consumerism and, or I'm sorry, because of Americans um, obsession with capitalism and consumerism and individual pleasure, the appeal of being a part of a body and the appeal of that wrestling of being a part of a body um, is completely absent and people just don't do it, mm-hmm. but still call themselves Christians and do fucked up things.
1: Yeah. The thing I like about Circle of Hope is that there, and the thing that keeps me sticking around is the fact that there is, that there is a dialogue, mm-hmm. um, that if if it is a family, it, it's a family where, um, that's not completely immutable. That's not completely unchangeable mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. where like I can be heard. And if I'm hurt by the family, like I, I can address that hurt. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I guess I feel like there are people... Like, I know a lot of Christians who aren't... Who have completely given up on the institutional church. Who feel like the institutional church is so rigid that there is no way to be in a relationship with it. And they have to be alone. Um, And I guess, to some level, I feel the attraction of that. Maybe because I've internalized these ideas of American individualism. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, but, I also think it might be a little survival, like too much pain. You want to, you know, abort mission. Totally. Yeah, I th- I also think that
1: you get really weird if you're alone t- for too long. So I I th- I think about like my dad or some of my friends' dads mm-hmm. <laughs> who basically have no community, uh, and because of that, are just left alone with their own thoughts and just get really weird thoughts. Yeah. They get
0: really angry too. Yeah. Yeah. At least my dad is my dad is similar and has no community. My mom kinda mm-hmm. sometimes has to convince him mm-hmm. to reach out to his siblings. Um mm-hmm. and I feel like my dad is my dad's a completely different person from whom I grew up with. Um, but also he's kind of like angry. Mm-hmm. Like there's this like simmer of injustice in him. And I really think when you don't have a community that's reflecting you back to you, mm-hmm. It's 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 hard to feel love and not have that simmer of anger.
3: I think I think this is why, um, for me, I need to be a part of a church that knows that it's been somewhere and also knows that it's going mm-hmm. somewhere. I love Circle of Hope. We say, uh, you know, we move with what the Spirit's doing next, but we're also rooted in tradition mm-hmm. the trans historical body yeah. the cloud of witnesses right now we're doing you know. lent and so like i can understand why a gay catholic would stay in the church because the tradition means something to them mm-hmm. Yeah. and i'm not i'm not it's i'm not in the space to mess that up mm-hmm. um,
0: catholics don't affirm gay marriage catholics don't affirm gay marriage i no. i don't even know why i asked that
3: no. yeah <laughs> No, they don't. Although, there, it's it, it's not even as cut and dried as you might think in some in some cases. However, I'm also not very interested in being a part of a, uh, a loosey goosey, non-denominational church that has no prior commitments that could just float off into whatever. You know, that's kind of the iso- like that's the isolation you're talking about. Um, mm-hmm just on a communal scale. And so, to use the technical language, if you're too congregationalist, you can just find a community of like-minded people, like a bunch of Andrew's dads, and then they're they're a community together. You know, this happens on the internet a lot, which is how people get radicalized, by the way. But, Mm -hmm. being rooted both in history, but also in a movement forward, really helps me. I think Circle does that, Mm -hmm. and, i i i I want to find communities that have a you know a rooting in the ground, but also an ability to grow that's that's really important to me
1: mm-hmm. yeah, when you say circle does that, you mean in the sense that we're connected to a bigger denomination
3: not necessarily the denomination who are often like my racist uncles at Thanksgiving. Okay. What I mean is our commitment to understanding church history and church tradition in the past, okay, mm-hmm. okay. you know. The den- I do love the denomination and also don't like it sometimes, but I like some consciousness about the tradition of Christianity mm-hmm. and and the variety of it. That means something to me because it connects me to people outside of my denomination, like mm-hmm. um, the, uh, the man who has been pastoring me during this pandemic, Howard Thurman, you know. He's, an, he's not an Anabaptist. He probably wouldn't hang around at Circle of Hope. But right. he ministers to me, and I can receive that because he's part of this tradition alongside of me.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm. He doesn't have to be an Anabaptist to be able to speak to you.
0: I also think, like, part of the point that you're making, Johnny, is that, like, people need to be accountable to somebody. And I think, I feel like our relationship with institutions and accountability in this country, I keep... I mean, fuck America. Y'all already know how I feel. Um, I keep like (laughs) saying something about America, but whatever. Um, I feel like our relationship to institutions and accountability is so punitive and really is so shaped by our criminal justice system that a lot of people reject that. But I think institutions give us the gravity that you're talking about and the Mm -hmm. rooting that, that you're talking about, right? Like a church is not meant to function as this system that denies you your humanity in the ways that the church kind of shows up um, now. I think the church is meant to ground us and root us and support us.
2: Mm -hmm. I'm just really resonating, Johnny, with what you said about mission. Um, And I like, yeah, our, our community has certainly given me and many other people opportunities to like express their gifts Start things um, I don't know like that is I think that's definitely kept me on a like on a path and kept me in community with 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 Christians is like there's stuff to do, and we have the freedom to to try it and do it
3: mm-hmm. i I will say this though, I remain a Christian um because of how Jesus has authored my life and has me- and has mm. made a claim on me. I can't be who I am right now, yeah. and deny Christ, so that keeps me a Christian, but for me, that means well, no, you have to uh be a part of a body and and, and and for me as a pastor, try to lead them, you know i'm not one of the reasons I can't leave the church is because I'm not ready to cede this territory to anybody, you know <laughs> i'm going to call myself a Christian i don't even want to give them evangelical because you know the uh the people that are crowding my territory and Mm -hmm. trying to colonize it if you will Mm -hmm. i'm not you're you're not going to do this you know and it helps that jesus was a brown palestinian rabbi for me to be honest like i know this isn't a a white thing Mm -hmm. i know it's not an american thing and i i'm not i can't leave Mm -hmm. because i'm not giving you the ground I don't, I don't want to do that because of what you'll do with it. So I have a a fire in me about that. Yeah. I really don't want to lose. I get that. I hate losing. You like
1: Jesus, so you like the church. I get that. Um, well, I don't know. How are those ideas connected for you, Johnny? Because some people... Well, because yeah. I,
3: I really do believe that when Paul says we're the body of Christ, it's not a metaphor. Mm-hmm. I think that if I love Jesus, then I must be jesus embodied with this community as best as i can be um and we're going to move to becoming more of a, a cruciform body in, in the shape of the cross during this lenten season right um mm-hmm. we're gonna we're gonna keep moving to model and and express this person of jesus and in, in the mission that we have and in the people that we are and so my love for jesus compels me then to be a body to love God, to love others, to make disciples. That's what I need to do. Um, and Circle of Hope gives me a great opportunity to do that. Yeah. Um, and I don't want to do it alone because, you know, I could do it alone and then just hang out on a subreddit and talk about it. I don't want to do that. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, I want to be a body. Yeah.
1: I mean, the thing I like about Circle of Hope is that if we do feel that God is leading us to a certain thing, it's not hard to get the church on board. Uh, and the church makes its resources available to us when we do, like look at participatory mm-hmm. defense, for instance, like there was this idea and all of a sudden there's, there's, there's a space, there's volunteers and there's money uh, because the church was amenable to, yeah. to following in this direction that we felt like God was that. God was leading us. Um, I, I mean, I can envision like a circumstance where, We feel like God is leading us in a certain way and a church could stand Uh in the way of that or make it more difficult than it has to be when that tension no longer becomes helpful. Mm -hmm. Um, But that, I mean, that's one of the things that I appreciate about our community, that mutability, I guess. I keep coming Uh back to that same idea. Maybe I'm just sensitive to it because I'm just so aware of the ways that institutions and people in authority have been immutable Mm -hmm. for me in the past the The idea of the institution being unchangeable or unreasonable, um, and just being an obstacle to to what God's trying to do, I think, in general, in my experience, so many institutions have have uh, used their institutional power to stand in the way rather than uh, be, mm-hmm. or met, rather than do things that, rather than help out. I guess is the issue. Right. Um, which is one of the things that I like about our community. I mean, going back to what Johnny said, like I do, I do think the reason that I continue to stick around is largely because of the relationships that I have and maybe because of Johnny specifically, you know? Like, mm-hmm. I like Johnny a lot. And if I have a problem, like I can, I can literally text him, you know? Like I, if I were a Catholic, I wouldn't be able to like text the Pope or whatever. Not that Johnny's <laughs> the Pope. The
3: Pope, I, saw, the Pope. <laughs> I saw this great tweet the other day that said, if you want to know if your pastor is healthy... Disagree with them. And I've really mm-hmm. tried my best to create an environment where, mm. yeah, you can say something. You can disagree with me. Um, and that's okay. Because that's yeah, what I mean. Yeah. Di- if, if I'm serious about dialogue, then I must welcome the uh, feedback, if you will. Or even the disagreement. Mm-hmm. Or even the hostility. Like if I get mm-hmm. you mad and you're mad at me. Let's talk about it. And I'm not trying to, I, you know, I'm going to receive what you say as best as I can.
0: You pastors are good at that. People be coming at you hot.
3: Mm-hmm. We signed up for that. Yeah. And, you know, pastors have a persecution complex. I love, <laughs> I love my job, and it does have challenges to it. But I'm not particularly oppressed for being a pastor. Mm-hmm. You know, that's a
0: that's an interesting way of thinking. That's because I felt
3: yeah. I felt actual oppression.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: You know, my job being like the leader of a church. Yeah, that's not too that's not too oppressive. Yeah,
0: mm-hmm. I think it's funny when you said that um, you're a Christian because you love Jesus. I, that has me thinking because I do love Jesus, but I I feel like I'm a Christian because I'm a part of a church. Amen. Like I feel like Jesus is revealed to me in the church mm. and I need that. And like, mm. I, I couldn't be a Christian alone, kind of like you said, and I wouldn't be a Christian alone. I just would be, I don't know, agnostic or something like that. Mm-hmm. But the church, um, yeah, the church keeps revealing Jesus to me and I need mm-hmm. that. So that's why I'm still a part of a church, specifically Circle Pope, South Broad, 2212 South Broad Street.
3: No. get okay. get it in get it in wow
1: great so the last thing we like to do is talk about whatever we're into this week um Beth you want to kick us off
0: sure so what I'm into is the second COVID-19 vaccine <laughs> <laughs> <part of> the- <laughs> we and really need an air season, horn right? t-
1: like
2: the second can we get that T noise again we just need some sound effect after you say second vaccination no <laughs>
0: <laughs> um so yeah i'm into the <laughs> i'm into the second dose chris you are distracting me
1: <laughs> Sorry, I'm done what you that mean? is that what vaccines sound like i
0: don't no, get this just, joke
2: it's just like you know we like some sort of celebratory sound effect i don't know that's all i got <laughs>
0: okay part of the reason i'm talking about the second dose of the vaccine is because as a black woman and as like Uh, I hate using the word activist. It sounds really self-important to describe myself as an activist, but as an activist- Even though you are an activist? Yeah. um, As an activist in the city, as a Black woman, I feel like it's important for us to be talking about uh, the COVID-19 vaccines and also like talking about our experiences. So I got the second dose of the vaccine on Friday. I expected to fall ill the next day. I was completely fine. So I'm in the percentile of people that didn't have um, COVID-19 symptoms the day after them, their vaccination. Mm-hmm. One symptom that I'm wondering if the CDC will be more aware of in the coming months, or maybe I just am feeling a lot of stress. I did not sleep for two days, y'all. <laughs> so that's the oh, from the time that I got the vaccine. Mm on friday sunday night into monday was the first um night that i slept after 2 days um but yeah i just think it's important for black folks to get the vaccine because once uh rich white people uh are all inoculated they're going to stop doing research and they're going to stop making the vaccine accessible for us um and i i fear that turn Oof. um so yeah that's a reality I, I, yeah like when it's not a disease that affects everybody. Um, and because of access, right. Because of healthcare systems that are so institutionally racist, I suspect that COVID-19 will become a black and brown disease. And when that happens, it's just going to be terrible. So, um, yeah, if you can get the vaccine, um, get it if you feel uncomfortable and you want to talk to somebody about it you can email me at circle mobilizing at gmail.com and i'm honestly willing to talk to anybody who emails us so yeah i'm into the second uh dose of the moderna vaccine
3: can i say one thing back to you you're absolutely right whatever vaccine you can get is the best one get mm-hmm. it mm-hmm they just developed an, an mRNA vaccine, which is the t- technology from the Moderna and Pfizer vaccines for malaria. And I'm thinking, wow, when it became a global crisis, y'all developed a vaccine for malaria, which largely ev- affects sub-Saharan Africa. That's really mm-hmm. interesting mm-hmm. that the technology was here, but you only had the urgency to develop it when it was global. And now exactly. we have a malaria vaccine. That's very um well, you know, it's a mirror. It tells you what's happening with our society.
1: Hmm. Hmm. I did not so, know that.
3: That's crazy.
0: Yeah, I didn't know that either. Yeah, that makes me kind of angry.
1: Yeah.
2: So
0: yeah, get it while it's hot, and white people are dying. That's my <laughs> final word. <laughs> That's a really shitty thing to say, but it's
2: true. That's right. Uh, let's go to Chris. Um. Yeah. So i I've, I've been watching a lot of movies lately. Um, one movie that I that I liked was Black Box. It's on Amazon. Um, it has Felicia Rashad um, reprising a role as a doctor, um, so that's pretty great. Um, plot twists, so many. Um, so she's helping she's helping a man recover his his memories using this this device that she calls the Black Box. Hijinks ensue. It's good. Cool.
1: cool. Johnny, what are you into this week? Well,
3: I'm on the launch team for a new book. It's called How to Have an Enemy, and it's by Melissa Flora Bixler, who is one of my favorite people, Mennonite pastor in North Carolina. And here's a paragraph for you. The work of the church is not to unify as a way to negate difference or to overcome political commitments. We are called to unfold our lives into the gospel, our whole selves. The good news of Jesus Christ is only good news when it Mm. proclaims that we will overcome enmity by aligning ourselves with those who are called out of our personal and corporate participation in, in the principalities and powers of the old age, knowing this will set us all free. She's talking about what it means to follow Jesus and love your enemies authentically and not just ignore the differences and bridge the political gaps as if the gospel is found in political quietudes or moderation i love Mm -hmm. that and she's Mm -hmm. she's a prophetic voice so this book is out by harold press who by the way contacted me recently to write a book in uh, this summer is when this book's out wait are you writing a book johnny are you writing
0: a book did you take them up on it
3: don't play coy um, nothing's official, and I, I don't think it will be official, but there's an opportunity. That's awesome.
0: Johnny's acting wow, like cool. okay before she drops an album.
3: Uh, wait, what's the name of the book again, Johnny? How to Have an Enemy by Melissa Flora Bixler, Herald Press, coming out this summer. I already recommend it to you.
2: Awesome. And if you want to find out more about Johnny's book, should they follow you on Twitter?
3: Um, I don't always recommend following <laughs> me on Twitter, but you can <laughs> if you want.
0: I, I recommend, recommend following Johnny don't on Twitter. Follow me on Twitter. Follow Johnny. The issue is with me.
3: <laughs> you get a bunch of Christian tweets, and then like I talk about the newspaper half the time, and then like all of a sudden there's like Philly sports tweets and hot takes on like Stromboli. So there's like all sorts of things that are happening on that feed.
1: I think it's great. It's I also think you should also Johnny. follow Johnny's food Instagram.
3: Oh yeah pa- uh, I I'll, I'll promote my food Instagram hey, there you food go. I'm the food pastor mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Johnny and my mother-in-law have this thing in common where they where they like send articles like like we get articles in our in our like slack chat from Johnny all the time and it, and it feels a little bit like I'm getting I'm opening the envelope for my mother-in-law that has like a Washington post article in it because sometimes they're the same ones
3: <laughs> I love sending you stuff <laughs> I love getting it <laughs> Um, how about you Andrew you're next right
1: yeah I'm into I guess well I'm into I'll say well this is everybody's into this right now but I'm into it I'm into the new movie from Lee Isaac Chung Minari um, which is about a Korean American family that moves to the middle of Arkansas and starts a farm and it's just a great Asian American story Uh, just a slice of life about like Asian Americans transplanted in this weird place I think the thing I like most about it is that, like, you go into it expecting it, like, expecting that it's going to be a story about this family's struggle against whiteness or that they, they come against white supremacy in some way. But it's not really about that. It's about, like, their own unique story in this environment mm. and just, like, the struggle of this family. And, the, you know, it's got Stephen Yeun in it as the dad, and he does, just does a great job.
0: I love Stephen Yeun yeah yeah i think he's fine as hell though that's why i, I mean, like him. i don't know if that's why beautiful. you guys like he's him a good
1: looking guy um also speaking of guys that are fine as hell i have to bring this up as the second thing that i'm into um ta-nehisi coates is writing the new superman movie
0: oh yeah i thought i thought you'd like that
1: yeah uh, and I michael thought b you jordan a
0: couple of years ago
1: he, here's the thing michael b jordan was in talks with warner a, a, a few years ago about potentially playing Superman. <gasps> and now it's like another realistic possibility. And like a, a Superman movie written by Tana nehisi Coates, starring Michael B. Jordan, is like, I feel like God is good, you know? <laughs>
0: <laughs> I was about to make an inappropriate joke. <laughs> right. Won't he well?
1: <laughs> um, so, you know, that's what I'm into. Yeah. Great. So special thanks to Luke Bartolomé, our communications manager, and also to um, Jared Selby, who does our theme song.
0: And let us know what you're thinking about our episodes and how you're navigating uh, racial dynamics in America. Um, Or we have listeners outside of America, so let me not be so, you know, American-centric. But yeah, how are you doing? How are you navigating uh, racial dynamics in your faith in Jesus following? Let us know by going to colorcorrectionpodcast.com and dropping us a line about your thoughts. Mm. We love to hear from you. So with that being said, stay black, Little Mermaid.
2: We love uh, Johnny.
1: Johnny would provide a good perspective. Um, mm. Our listeners I, love Johnny, um, So, too. Our, the outline that I've drawn up here—that we have—is uh, everybody. What looked?
0: is that sound? Is no, that is that somebody actually pouring something? <laughs> That's
1: me pouring something.
0: <laughs> it sounded like a fucking sound effect. <laughs> it's
2: like, oh, really? Oh, uh, did you know that? Did you know that Andrew moved his recording studio to the bathroom? <laughs> <laughs> is that a fact?
3: <laughs> no. What if somebody has to use the bathroom?
0: I always have to use the bathroom and I just get up. <laughs> you probably it's just ramp- Beth probably By awesome. the way, it's
3: back. how do you know the listeners like me? I've never heard that in this podcast before. you keeping
0: this from me? Uh, It used to be that our biggest episodes, I can't take that pouring because it sounds too i <laughs> All
1: right, I'm, I'm done. <laughs>
0: <laughs> we we do um, have that though, our best use episodes it. used to be yours mm-hmm. like every time you were on they would be the most listened to episodes that so is cool. true. So that's how we figured our listeners like you let's go
3: baby let's get <laughs> let's get those ratings in yeah,
1: that's what we're here
3: for we're gonna have blue apron ads soon